From the studios of Advancing Vibrant Communities in Modesto, California, this is Lighthouse Live Radio on the Lighthouse Live International Podcasting Network. Welcome to Lighthouse Live, the radio voice of advancing vibrant communities. Our mission is to motivate believers to move out from the four walls of the church to personally serve the needs of their neighborhoods. Get ready for a no-holds-barred, honest look at the Christian lifestyle the way Christ commanded it to be. All that and more coming right up here on Lighthouse Live. And good evening to you, wherever you may be. Pastor Mike Douglas here, along with Elaine Harlan and our prayer intercessor, the inimitable Mr. Owl, Al Ramsey. Welcome to Lighthouse Live on the Lighthouse Live International Podcasting Network. Uh, and new listeners in Argentina, they're coming for me already. Already. Yeah, actually, we're coming to you from the front room of Advancing Vibrant Communities in Modesto, California. Great to have those of you now listening in South America and Europe, mm. all around the world. Mm. Wonderful to have you with us. Thank you for uh, joining us. And uh, the last broadcast of 2008. What's with that? I don't you know? know. Where did it go? I don't know. I'm still stuck in August. I don't know what happened with I'm all of it. I'm in the 60s somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? Your microphone's turned backwards. I bet if you turned that around, you would sound like... I thought something sounded... There you there go. There I, I am. Well, See, I told you I was in the 60s Remember that? Somewhere. You remember that film, The Incredible Mr. Limpet? Uh-huh. Don Knotts and became... That's kind of what it sounded that like. That did then. sound... That sounds a lot better. Does that it sound like me? More like you. Okay. Now, after... <laughs> No wonder it's the last broadcast of 2008. <laughs> Save the day. Why don't we check in with our friends from Voice of the Martyrs? What will people think when they hear that I'm a Jesus freak? What will people do when they find that it's true? Hey, what's up? This is Michael Tate with the story of another real-life Jesus freak. It's 1996, Sudan. Philip is taken to a military barracks along with 35 other Christians. For 11 days, he and several others are bound, beaten, and burned as government soldiers try to convert them to Islam. Refusing to deny their faith in Christ, many die from the extreme torture. Finally, Philip is released, but still he carries the scars from the burning log pressed against his chest. He survived the torture by praying, God, I will never forget you. I know you are with me. Philip offered his body as a burnt offering to the Lord, and he lived to tell the story. Will you stand with the Voice of the Martyrs? Go online to persecution.com. You know, in our Western world, we can read Paul's words about making your body a living sacrifice, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, that's where it, uh, it hits home yes. when you hear stories like that, and, and uh, so often we gloss over that and, and don't catch some of the deeper meanings. But, uh, friends, you know, we never know. Uh, what we're going to be called to do in the name of Christ, and what a wonderful uh, way to uh, witness to others under terrible uh, persecution. We just need to remember our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world. And we have a radio show here, and we gather freely, and in other places in the world, we'd uh, be in line for persecution or execution we or still worse. Pray. Yeah, amen. amen to that. So we thank the Lord for the freedoms that mm-hmm. uh, that we have here. Speaking of freedoms, let's check in now with Brad Dacus. It's time for The Legal Edge, a look at your rights as a Christian, a parent, and a citizen. 
And now, with a look at what's happening on the legal front, the president of the Pacific Justice Institute, Brad Dacus. After almost a year of deliberations, the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals has not announced a decision in the lawsuits challenging the Pledge of Allegiance and a God We Trust on our national motto. Now, Pacific Justice Institute, as co-defendants with the U.S. government, argued in defense of a God We Trust. At the same time, Michael Newdow's second suit against the Under God Clause of the Pledge of Allegiance was also heard. With no time limits on its decisions, at least for now, it seems that no news is good news. Patriotic Americans nationwide are still reciting the pledge in its entirety and In God We Trust is still on our money. PGI prays it will soon stay that way permanently. I'm Brad Dacus. To find out more about The Legal Edge, call 916-857-6900 or log on at pacificjustice.org. You know, friends, after the first of the year, we'll be picking up again our half-hour series and return to relevancy, and we'll be picking up on uh, Randy Alcorn's book, Heaven, Mm -hmm. and uh, continuing that. And, and, you know, I think one of the cool things about Heaven is there will be no Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. Thank goodness, huh? In Heaven, uh, (laughs) because God is a merciful God, I think. Time to take a look at the Volunteer Center of the United Way's Lend-A-Hand list. The Salvation Army Modesto Corps is having their 18th annual Coats for Kids. Mm. It's cold out. Not quite as cold this week as it was last week, but nevertheless, coats are still needed for our kids. And distribution of gently used or new coats for needy children is going to take place on January 2nd. That's coming up this week. I can't believe, like you were saying earlier, Mike, I don't know what happened to 2008. But anyway, volunteers are needed to help distribute these coats uh, starting on January 2nd at 2 o'clock in the afternoon going until 7 p.m. The Salvation Army Modesto Corps provides assistance with emergency food, noon meals, information, referral, disaster aid, meals on wheels, youth programs, senior services, and so much more. If you want to get in on the actual event on Friday, uh, you can do so up until 9 o'clock at night. Uh, until uh, is when they're going to. So uh, we'll give you the number on that in just a few moments. Paradise South Weed and Seed. This is a great uh, organization to get involved with, too. Prepare taxes for seniors and low-income workers and families. Now, we're not Won't be any taxes nah, in heaven that's either, another you know? good thing. None of that confiscatory we're, stuff. Yeah, we're not, <laughs> all of those, yeah, all of those things. We're we're happy about. What are all the IRS I'm, agents going to do in heaven? I'm sure you know, that so God has something. He probably has something for, for them, them to do, but not yes. our taxes. No volunteers. Yeah. But even, meanwhile, while we're still here on this, are you side trying of to eternity, do something with that? I'm trying okay. to plow through this. Volunteers are needed to help low-income individuals prepare state and federal tra- tax returns and apply for the EITC. That's Earned Income Tax Credit between February 3rd and April 14th. No accounting experience is needed, and free training and IRS materials are provided. Now, volunteers should be comfortable working with numbers. That's a good thing, and have some computer experience. Volunteers are also needed to greet and screen clients for income guidelines and documentation and provide. I could do the greeting part. You could probably do that. You could probably Not do the some math of the, part. You could do the computer stuff, too, because you're pretty good at that. Well, my math teacher too. told me, Mike, there's no accounting for you. So yeah. <laughs> I'll get into that. Uh, anyway, uh, some Spanish and English translation is always a good thing. Training is scheduled January 8th, 15th, and the 28th from 5 until 9. And they're pretty flexible with your schedule, too, so that's a good thing. The mission of Paradise South Weed and Seed is to restore and enhance 
the quality of life in the uh, Paradise South area. And we're pretty familiar with those people, too. Great people. You betcha. Society for Handicapped Children and Adults. You can hit the slopes and share the exhilaration of snow skiing with physically challenged and youth, and, uh, youth and adult skiers. You know, since 1990, the Skiing Unlimited program has provided access to the sport of skiing for many blind, deaf, paraplegic, quadriplegic, and developmentally disabled individuals with the use of adaptive equipment who would otherwise be denied uh, that opportunity to share in exciting outdoor activities. Now, volunteers are needed to uh, help out and assist skiers on the Dodge Ridge ski trips. Uh, Opportunities are available on most Saturdays between January 24th and March 28th. Uh, and orientation will be provided for all volunteers uh, Tuesday, January 13th at 6.30. Uh, volunteers must be at least 15 years of age, so Mr. Al can get on, in on this if he <laughs> wants to. <laughs> you should have some ski experience. Uh, you need to provide your own transportation to Dodge Ridge at you know, Pinecrest. Uh, you need to be able to complete your application and pass a background check. This that lets, me out <laughs> that right lets there, us right. out there. The society is dedicated to uh, improving the quality of life and self-sufficiency of physically challenged children and adults in Stanislaus County. Another uh, worthwhile uh, organization and event to be involved with. And if any of these events do interest you, contact Barbara Borba. She can be reached at 209-524-1307, extension 113. Again, area code 209-524-1307, extension 113, or email her. She enjoys that just as much. B. Borba at uwaystand.org. And uh, she'll be happy to answer any questions you have. Or you can always contact us at 209-544-9571. You know, we also want to thank everyone uh, who volunteers and gives of themselves, you know, throughout this year and uh, all the time, who give of your time, uh, treasures, and talents. Uh, lots of people volunteer, and, and we just would love to encourage more people to do that, to uh, just give and, and serve people. Uh, that's what we here at ABC are all about. And on our list today, we heard from a, a young mom who is uh, actually on maternity leave right now. And she's, uh, she works and is on leave right now because she's getting ready to give birth to a little baby. And she's in need of a crib or a bassinet. So if you have something like that to donate to this young mother and precious infant that's just about ready to uh, come into this world, then you can give us a call here, and we'll make sure that that connection gets made. Again, you can contact us at 209-544-9571, and we'll be glad to make that connection. And uh, those are the kinds of things that uh, we can do here. Right now we're in need of beds Uh, of all sizes, twin beds, full beds, uh, queen-size beds, and we're making lots of those kinds of connections uh, here in the Stanislaus County area. You know, a lot of people are coming out of homelessness mm-hmm. right now, even even in this economy, yes. and getting into rental places in a great way uh, to witness to them, to uh, provide them with their felt needs. And uh, just a reminder, you can also check our daily update page at www.vibrantcommunities.org. That's vibrantcommunities.org. Click on the little red flashy thing yeah, it's a gizmo. icon, and it'll take you right to the daily update page. <laughs> just a reminder, friends, uh, if you're in the area and Turlock 
on January 18. We'll be joining the folks at the Turlock Christian Fellowship, or Turlock Community Fellowship, I'm sorry, Turlock Community Fellowship. Uh, January 18, we'll be doing their uh, morning service there. Look forward to that. And I'd say there's not... Talk about sweet worship. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of uh, developmentally disabled folks yes, uh, in that yes. congregation. And, uh, man, you hear those voices and just un- unbridled joy and praise and makes the hair stand up on the back of your neck. It really I mean, does. That is just sweet We've stuff. We've been there before, and we yeah. look forward to going back. It's just a, a great time, and, and we'll be there and, and just would... Uh, like to invite you to join us Amen. for that. Well, tonight we are spotlighting a resource in our community that is committed to helping improve and impact lives in a major way. And here to share with us are uh, two great brothers and a precious sister in the Lord. And and we have uh, um, with us uh, the group from STOP, which stands for Solutions Teen Outreach Program. And my longtime buddy and pa- at the PAC meetings, Paul Brim, I want to welcome you to Lighthouse Live, uh, who is the president of the board at STOP, and also Mark Fleming, uh, who is with uh, STOP, and also Nancy. And I-, I want you guys to know how I- we remember Nancy's last name. Nancy told me this. She says, now, Elaine, it- Mike, you got to remember this. Okay, you can I'm remember ready. the theme to Pink Panther. Get it in your head? Got it. And- and got it out? Okay. Thanks, so. Can you can you kind of go with it? Nancy Denant. That's her name. That's it. Nancy Denant. Okay. Anyway. Okay. That's that's Nancy. Nancy. Thank you for joining us, Nancy. Nancy's the one who actually I met Nancy. We were uh, at a local church sharing uh, our ABC ministry, and it was just wonderful because out in the lobby, ABC, we had our display board there and talking to people, and Nancy came up, and she's such a people person, and you know how I'm such not a people person. I'm just kidding yeah. anyway. <laughs> we were talking, and she was sharing, you know, who she was with, and, and we got to, you know, just chatting about the uh, all that you do and your testimony and uh, then she started coming to the CMN meetings uh, on a monthly basis, and hey, we just hit it off and said, "You got to come and share on Lighthouse Live about your program." And uh, so here we are, and want to thank you all for being here with us. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. We're glad to be here. All right. Well, Nancy, why don't you start us off and, and tell us how you got involved with uh, the uh, outreach to teens here with Stop? Um, I got involved actually through some actual um, friends of mine. Um, where I met Paul and Mabel, we were at a dinner, and we got to start talking, and the next thing you know, they asked me if I'd come on board and help them do some research, and with finding out some of my background, they found out that I was one of those kids that were looking to help. I was one of those youth that was out there with an alcohol and drug addiction for many years, 21 actually, and then um, due to some circumstances, (laughs) consequences, of my actions, I got into recovery, and it's been great ever since. It's not smooth sailing all the time, but it's a lot better than what it was out there. So that's why I'm giving back. Um, I believe I'm called, actually, to help the youth. Sure. Mm-hmm. Solutions Teen Outreach. Paul, you actually are on the board. I don't know if Paul came first or Mark came first. Which came first, the chicken or the egg? I'm not sure. Paul, <laughs> Paul came what? first. Well, the uh, little little bit of background history is uh, Solutions Teen Outreach Program got started with a group of professionals talking over coffee. And uh, I I had the pleasure to volunteer in uh, a male recovery program for the last 
eight years uh, working with parolees and uh, probation people. Solidarity, are on, on, right? All, yes, solidarity. Uh, that are on uh, alternative sentences or people are coming out on parole who are looking to change their lives. And uh, through conversations with uh, people in education and uh, counselors in, in, in programs and uh, uh, Mabel Quo, who's a professional um, counselor, just through conversation, we, we need to, to get this uh, problem at an earlier age than uh, the male and uh, female groups, um, adult status. We need to, to nip, the, nip it in the bud at a youth youth age, and we, we started to work on an idea uh, which would uh, work on teenagers between the ages of 12 to 18 years old. <clears throat> and we'd like to go lower. As a matter of fact, we thought about that as well because it really starts It's a family problem at home. Um, so we just we stopped talking about it and did something about it and uh, made application for our uh, 501c3 with a nonprofit status. At first, we were turned down and put on a waiting list for a six- or seven-month wait. Uh, we made a few phone calls to a few people. Um, the only other recovery center in the Stanislaus County had just shut down. And um, for some reason, about a week or so later, we had our 501c3 status. Mm. So we've been uh, busy uh, trying to put together a, a healthy board and uh, funding for our program. It's a grassroots program. Uh, the board has decided to uh, uh, to try and uh, keep our government funding down to a minimum, uh, 10 to 15 percent of our total annual budget, um, because we don't want to be budget cut. So we're looking for funding through private sources and foundations, and that's what we've been doing for the last six or seven months. And the funding right now. Funding right now is yeah. very tough. The yeah. I believe the econ economic times that we're going mm -hmm. through is, is playing heck on uh, trying to get the things done that we need. Uh, so we're constantly uh, – in planning and constantly uh, writing grants, and uh, now going to look at uh, what was done during uh, the Depression from 1929 on, uh, see how funds were done then, because there were some major foundations that, uh, and one one that I can count uh, say out loud is the Boys Town Association mm -hmm. Foundation was formed during the Depression, and it started through uh, individual donations and and appeals for help in those areas. So we're looking very hard at that as well as continuing with our grant writing and trying to plan some events of our own that we can raise funds with. And you mentioned Mabel Quo. Mabel Quo is here with us tonight, too, so maybe she might want to uh, pull Hello. her chair. Hi, Mabel. Thank you for uh, joining in tonight. And if you want, you can push your chair up and, and join us at any time. Yeah. Mabel is our executive director of program and uh, has written the, the program and the curriculum. And uh, she's been uh, doing uh, mental health care and substance abuse counseling for approximately 20 years. And uh, she's a professional uh, that used to work with Stan Ca Stanislaus County, right, and um, was the, the, the person that I picked to, to write our program because she seems to know more about it. She, had, she, had, she added something to the program that most programs don't have. Uh, most programs do outreach and uh, treatment. Then they pat the, uh, the client on the head and say, go live life. Um, today, what we need to do is we've got a, a major problem with mental health issues as well as substance abuse in, in our state as well as and, and very heavily in this county. Uh, and uh, we believed that a third leg of the stool needed to be added, which is activities, which includes uh, mentoring, um, life skills, um, job, uh, you know, thinking about career placement, um, and healthy life choices, mm -hmm. lifestyle choices mm -hmm. that uh, I don't think uh, because of single-parent families or no-parent families or uh, the way our families are built today, 
they need to be taught, you know, healthy lifestyle choices. You know, as you talk to law enforcement, whether it's the sheriff's department, police department, probation, whatever it is, uh, constantly <clears throat> the theme we hear is the solution uh, to the drug problem, the gang problem, is the family. Right. And Or if you turn that around, one of the causal factors is, is the family. Just uh, very interesting to, to hear your perspective as uh, you were writing this program. Abel. What, what, um, what went through your mind? As you began to take a look at this, what what areas have we not addressed as a, a local society here, a local culture? What areas were we missing, and how do you think uh, STOP answers that problem and really focuses in on a long-term solution? Okay, yes, I know. I have to talk really closely. <laughs> uh, what, what, uh, throughout my careers, I have been so many, uh, I have been seeing so many teenagers suffer. I specifically use the word suffer because uh, kids are reactive. They react to what they experience throughout their lives. Mm -hmm. And that's what I saw. I saw it's not only that one individual or group of individuals that called teens that having issues, having troubles dealing with life. I saw those teens that dealing with their, their environment, which at first is their family and uh, their uh, neighborhood in uh, the community, they're having a hard time to to able to get the support. Uh, they're having a hard time to gain the hope that they needed to, to uh, keep them carry through. And those kind of things that the only way I've had experiences watching the kids coming in and talking to them and then send them out. As a professional, uh, as a counselor, I've seen them uh, maybe once a w once a week. Yeah, then that one hour out of that one whole week, then I'm sending them out. And I knew where I'm sending them back to. Yeah. Often I'm thinking about what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was where that original thinking coming coming in, the mind. We need to be involved with their life in all ways. Sure. You know, we need to, uh, we need to help them build, uh, build a... Uh, hope, not just that one hour, like a booster shot and send them away. That doesn't work. Well, in that environment that they go back into for the other six days of the week tends to send them back into their exactly. their old habits and, and patterns. A lot of time. Yeah, a lot of right. time. Some of them, once in a while, uh, there's a, a terminolo terminology we use called invulnerable ch children. There are kids are invulnerable. They're able to be very focused on one thing, one thing only, mm. and carry them through. Of the life, a lot of times, you know, that happens, but not a lot. Yeah, most of kids, and lost hope, they start doing things, or they just gave up. A lot of situation like that, and like what I said, kids are very reactive. Mm -hmm. Just one person take attention on them, believe in them, things can happen yes. because they're reactive. Yes. Does it take a while to develop that trust? Oh, uh, actually, it's easier to build trust with kids than mm. with grown-ups. And then that's also logical. Yeah, so that's part of the reason I said we need to start from there. Yeah, we need to start from when they're able to absorb what was going on, when and when they needed us the mo most important, yeah, uh, mo most of the important time frame. So now where is stop catching these kids? Is it 
uh, after they've experienced some trouble? Is it before? Where, where are we catching them within the program? We would like to take the referrals. Of course, okay. the re- referral base will come from all area. We already pursue talking to the police department. That would be one area. Mm-hmm. We already talked to the probation department and uh, juvenile uh, court. Uh, I will uh, anticipate partially coming from there. We also has a lot of my personal experience. A lot of parents, parents do love their kids. A lot of time they either doesn't have a resource to go to, or uh, for what 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 uh, what whatever reasons that stop them uh, attending to those kids' needs. The community can make referrals. Yeah, and we would like to address those as early as possible. Uh, by the time, if they go to CYA, then obviously that would be – but they take process from, from the beginning of the referral, the beginning showing the signs to the point that they're really having a major issues. And we can address those if somebody take attention, especially local community activists and uh, local churches – you know, those are the major, major referral source should be mm-hmm. because they see them. Yeah, so those are the ones that I was talking about. We'd like to address issue as early as possible. Mm-hmm. And uh, Mark worked in this line of work for quite a long time. Uh, uh, he's uh, seeing the kids the, just as much as I have. And, and I know he has a lot to say about how he's dealing with the kids. He mm-hmm. has the same heart I do. Well, That's Mark, you, you just mentioned churches. Mark, um, Coming from having been on a church staff for a while and uh, before founding ABC, um, my, my impression is typically the average church is ill-equipped to really handle some of the tough issues. And how, how does STOP kind of fit in that and, and give our, our faith-based community a, a resource that it can learn from and, and participate with? Well, uh, part of um, part of what uh, Stop will be doing is is outreach to the community, mm-hmm. uh, speaking to churches, making ourselves available to mm-hmm. teach them, because as you know, there's a uh, not from any bad intent, but a lack of understanding about mm-hmm. substance abuse. It is not, it doesn't care who you are. It doesn't care what your religious background is. Or how old you are. Or how old you are. Yes. And, and uh, you know, I've been associated with this uh, type of work. Actually, I was with and worked for the main substance abuse counselor for the last, really, program in this county, um, uh, which was called Teen Recovery Center. That closed in May 31st of this year, there mm. is nothing available for the teenagers. Wow. Is that right? Nothing. Yeah. There, there are some educational programs that meet once a week, but that's not treatment. You know, that's an educate. That's a stopgap. That's like a band aid. And so, really, the only thing that's available now is hopefully this program, if we can get it off the ground. And that's what we're all desperately working for. I know that, uh, you know, from my own background. Um, you know, I could have been uh, probably, if I had been diagnosed, if it had been available, by the time I was 14, I would have been diagnosed as an alcoholic mm. and an addict. And yet, I became a Christian in 1969. Mm. I brought that disease, which this is, with me. Sure. I had no idea that that was something I needed to attend to, just like if I brought with me upon my conversion cancer, that would have needed to be treated. And I didn't know that, so that came along with me. 
And I went through school. I got a bachelor's degree in theology and education. I got a master's degree in theology. And that continued there with me. So in other words, it's not a respecter. Because mm-hmm. just like any other disease that we might acquire just living life, it is right there with us and can happen to any one of us. And so, you know, rather than kind of just smooth over it in a church, I would like to give the pastors and the other members the freedom and the safety to talk about yes. this yes. as as they start to notice it in their youth. Because as as my life demonstrates, if I would have been addressed at that time by a church community... I may not have put an awful lot of people through the horror that I put them through until I until I got into recovery and really for the first time in my life understood the grace of God. Probably the wrong word. I don't want to say that you know I- ignorance is not the right word. Maybe it's unawareness yes. of mm-hmm. um is, is that one of the challenges that we really face in the faith-based community is just uh, a lack of tools for recognizing uh, the issues and then being able to respond to them without just using Second Corinthians five seventeen the old is gone and the new has come so what's wrong with you you know yeah idea. what's wrong with you yeah and and I think that there's uh, the lack of there's still even though the American Medical Association has said for a number of decades now that this is a disease there's still something within our culture it's not just the church culture that says that this is a moral problem. Mm-hmm. And my experience with addicts and alcoholics is that they are very sensitive people and they really feel the shame that this disease brings into their life because they are on a daily basis um, denying their values that they grew up with. and But they don't know what to do about it. They don't understand that it is this disease that they've developed that is that responds very well to treatment, stays in remission. It's it's one of the chronic diseases that if you stay on top of it on a daily basis, in other words, developing your spiritual life. There's a saying in a group I'm associated with that my sobriety is contingent on the ma- daily maintenance of my spiritual condition. Mm-hmm. And so if they develop a spiritual program and maintain that, it will stay in remission throughout your life. There's no reason to have to go back to it again. Nancy, you were uh, you were resonating there with the comment about Second Corinthians five seventeen. <laughs> Tell <laughs> us a little bit about what you were reacting to there. Well, that kind of resonated with me because I became a Christian when I was fourteen, and I remember um, hearing that when I was baptized up in the Santa Cruz Mountains, and. By then, I wasn't drinking and using every day, but I was really having a hard time in camp not thinking about it and thinking about where I could go get some without a counselor knowing about it. <laughs> so that's when that started with me. I was like, you know, I know I'm saved. I know I'm a Christian. I know I've been bought by the blood of the Lamb. What is my problem? Mm-hmm. You know? Um, I knew that alcoholism was alive in my family. My father was a closet alcoholic, as I call it. Mm-hmm. Didn't drink around me, but I knew it. You know, but I couldn't figure out I'm a Christian. You know, I can't be an alcoholic and an addict. I'm a Christian. I can't be. An, I was involved in the youth. Um, I was looking to go to seminary when I got out of high school. Wow. And, you know, one thing led to another. My disease progressed and I, you know, went down the road that it was taking me because it takes it takes control of your life. You can't just um, 
and I'll, I'll just say this real quick. I had an individual say to me one time, why do you have to drink? It was my mom, actually. And I said, I can't answer that. I just knew I had to have something in me. And she's a Christian also. And she was like, I'm just going to keep praying for you. There's got to be an answer. Didn't understand. Took 21 years, yeah. you know, but there is an answer. There's all, there is a solution. And that's why this is needed. Um, I'm not the only one who is involved in the youth groups. I was very involved in my youth groups, very involved in mission trips, very involved in the congregation. And there are a lot of us that because we look like we came from good families, we stayed out of trouble at school for the most part, didn't brush with law enforcement. We, you couldn't be an alcoholic or an addict. You know, there was this moral picture of what an alcoholic right, and an addict is. Right. And being a Christian myself, there was a picture of, well, you've been saved. You can't be one of those people. See, I think they go, I think they go hand in hand. I don't, I don't have a problem with, with um, someone's religion or faith going hand in hand that we don't need to fight against each other. They go hand in hand. Just because, you know, you're saved doesn't mean that you get to walk away from being an alcoholic or an addict. It's like having cancer. That's the way I look at it. You know, and that, that brings you, it's like, Nancy, it's like you were just wanting to hold your hand up and say, you know, there, there's something going on here. And it just brings us to the song we're going to play right now because it's called I'm Not All Right. <laughs> and that's, that's the very name of our, our song. And, and Sanctus Real does it. And we'll be right, right back right after the song I'm Not All Right on Lighthouse Life.
Pastor Mike, Elaine, and our great friends from Solutions to Teens Outreach. Uh, here on Lighthouse Live tonight, we have Paul Brim, Mark Fleming, and Nancy Denant, and Mabel Quo with us. What a great organization uh, to teach us and to reach uh, the Christian uh, community uh, with information and to help and impact the lives of so many. And we're just grateful uh, that you all carved out a special time with us here on Lighthouse Live to reach around the world as we have global listeners with us in places that we can't even say or <laughs> pronounce or spell. But we're glad that you guys are, are with us because, you know, we prayerfully consider who God might reach and touch uh, the lives of others uh, with your program uh, this week and, and just uh, are grateful for that information. And, you know, we were talking uh, during the break about some of the things that, that you guys are doing. And, uh, you know, it's just incredible, the information, Paul, that gets out there to the families that need to hear it. And so uh, you guys are reach, reachable, accessible, and how, how many people uh, do that? Uh, they can reach us uh, uh, on uh, on the internet uh, by going to uh, mail. Solutions Okay. Nancy gives a big thumbs up. Solutions Teen Outreach Program org. I'm sorry, and uh, or um, they can call us direct at two zero nine six seven eight zero zero one seven. That'll go directly to me. Uh, you know, I was thinking as Mark was and Nancy were talking during the last segment. Uh, that's why. Uh, Mark and Nancy are so valuable to us because they're, they're on the firing lines. Um, Mark worked for the only other program in this valley uh, that happened to shut down right about the time we were getting started, and we grabbed him up because of his knowledge and his uh, passion for what he does. Um, part of our outreach is, is education to the groups that we want to work with, such as PAL, uh, the Boy Scouts, the Girl Scouts, the mm-hmm. church congregations, uh, to help them understand what to look for in their youth. Uh, there are signs that they'll see that will help them hopefully uh, catch them at the, before it gets too far. Uh, by the age of 12, our, 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 our group focuses between the ages of 12 and 18, but by the ages of 12, I think most of you all uh, can understand this and, and believe it, that they're already experimenting. They're already uh, trying different things out. They're being pulled by peer pressure and socio-economic pressure uh, by their culture. Uh, 
Uh, a lot of different forces are at play, and, and, and as Mark will explain, there's also some uh, chemistry changes going on that, uh, that pull them in different directions. But it, uh, I think if you, if you look around your family and your community, you're going to find that, that somebody that you know has been touched by uh, alcoholism, substance abuse, or mental health issues. Uh, so it's affecting everybody. And, and we need to, to, to get in and, and, and uh, educate as many people as possible what to look for, uh, treat, the, uh, treat it on a long-term basis, a uh, minimum of six months, and then ask them to come back for another six months and mentor some more youth coming in, right, take them and show them some healthy lifestyle choices. You know, it begs the question, and, and we talked a little bit about it during the break, uh, with other programs closing, and with a huge, I mean, this is a big county, <laughs> you know, there's um, a lot of uh, square miles and a lot of people and more people every day coming into the county. What uh, What is uh, unique about STOP that's going to make it work when, when others have not worked so well? Or maybe it's a few things that combine for that. Well, I, I, I would think it's a, it's a number of things. It, it, it's going to have to be, um, you know, how it's designed, how Mabel designed it and uh, other people who are designing the program is that the, the idea is to not just have it a mental health, not just have it substance abuse, but with each child they will have a social worker, a mental health worker, and a substance abuse counselor. There will also be a family uh, portion of this where the families are going to be drawn in and engaged mm. to make some changes on a family level that will extend out there. There's also going to be a push to get them back out into the community and start putting back into the community. That's the key, right? Yeah. That is the yes. key. So as I can start seeing how my life can actually work and the rewards that I get from my volunteerism, from yes. working with other people, uh-huh. um, I start to see that this life, living this type of life, really makes sense. And not only is that, is that I really feel good about myself and I find a purpose in my life. Can we camp on that for just a second, sure. Mark? Because Nancy and I were talking just a couple of days ago about her service work in hospitals and institutions, the H&I work that you're doing, Nancy. Address that for just a, a moment, if you will. I volunteer, and um, I'm associated with the program that I go and I volunteer and, and uh, go into other institutions and rehab facilities, and I basically get to tell my journey of my recovery mm-hmm. and, and, and also of my spiritual walk, and I get to help those people that they're at the beginning of their road, and so I get to give them some experience, strength, and hope so that they can see that the light at the end of the tunnel is not a locomotive. <laughs> because working with others is how we stay mm-hmm. sober, isn't it? Yes, yes, it is. Exactly. I had someone once tell me, a good friend of mine, that said, uh, Nance, if you want to stay in recovery and you want to have quality of life, that's not saying that life isn't going to come at you. That's going to say you're going to be able to walk through it. Mm-hmm. Is that 90% of it is being in service to others, exactly. staying out of your own head. It's a dangerous territory up there. So. And we don't have to do it alone. No. That's the beauty of it, of it all, isn't it? You, you know, we, one of the 
problems that we have on, on multi-levels is, is dealing with families and, and denial uh, that's there or just not knowing. You know, we look at the gang pro- program, a lot of parents, especially single moms, just don't know what the, you know, the red shoes and the 49er, uh, you know, big hoodie thing means and, and all of that. Um, talk a little bit, uh, maybe start with you, Mark, about how we deal with families and, and uh, how we help uh, kind of shine the light of truth on stuff that's happening that that they may not even know about well you know you used a, a word um a little earlier in talking i think it was to mabel uh, or, and or, or paul the word trust hmm. and to me that is key uh, i think there's an awful lot of people out there there i know it's a subtle difference uh when i use the word faith i think an awful lot of the people have faith They have more than enough faith. What they don't have is trust. They don't have trust that I can be open, that I can expose myself, expose my family at a very down-to-earth level and tell people what's really going on. And we provide that type of safety for the family to start discussing those types of things, the things that the kids can start to start really truly talking about their feelings and not be afraid of them that the parents can start talking about their feelings and not be afraid of them. So often some of the some of the belief systems that we develop along that along this disease are one of them is feelings are dangerous. If somebody really knows what I'm thinking or feeling they'll reject me. Right. And right. to find a way to bring that trust out that if I expose this what's going on then that light I don't have to be afraid of that is keeping it in the darkness that develops the fear and continues the fear. So I think being able to, having a family program, having family input, having the family involved in the treatment protocols is essential for long-term sobriety, whether it's a child or whether it's an adult. So you really, and if, you know, this has kind of been tainted by, you know, the new age thing, but it really is a holistic uh, approach here where you're you're taking the teen and his or her total environment and really uh, uh, treating the problem at, at all those different levels. Well, if you look like at that. the first century church, mm-hmm. yeah. that's right. okay? yes. Yes. it was the entire community yes. that was involved Amen. in those lives. And then we have to also remember that when, you know, when, when the, the disciples were hanging around with Jesus, they still had some issues. <laughs> Paul seemed to have some anger issues from time to time, and so did and so did Peter. <laughs> yeah, but the whole thing is, is that they were with him, and you would expect, well, boy, I'm a believer now; everything should be okay. Not well, it wasn't, you know. And so, you know, and sometimes I think that we have that expectation. Okay, the person has turned their life over to Christ that has a substance abuse problem. Now everything should be okay. Mm-hmm. But they're still carrying with That's it right. a lot of shame and guilt and a lot of other things, some other uh, emotional issues or mental health issues that need to be addressed for a long term. And we, and we see that working out as we start to follow some of the conflicts in the first century church that they needed to deal with. Sure. And, and so I think that we need to be able to provide that for our churches to give them the opportunity to work with them over a period of time. And again, and friends, uh, if you're interested, uh, and, and uh, I believe I'm looking at the website here as we're uh, we're talking, I believe I've got it correct, correct. solutionsteenoutreachprogram.org. All right, once again, friends, that's solutionsteenoutreachprogram.org. 
Org. That's almost as long as VibrantCommunities.org. Oh, Again, one more time, SolutionsTeenOutreachProgram.org. Yes. And we're going to perfect our issues, and we'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> deep needs, deep hurts, spreading far beyond the government's ability to help. Children, single moms and dads, the elderly, disabled, the homeless. Yet... Thousands of resources that can meet those needs are sitting right now in the pews and seats of our churches. The challenge? Activating those resources and connecting them with the people in need. We have a proven solution, advancing vibrant communities. We bridge the gap. We connect people and churches with opportunities to serve the needs of their neighbors. Pure, simple, Proven effective, advancing vibrant communities. What's our motivation? Jesus' command in Matthew 22:39, to love your neighbor as yourself. The church at large has a biblical mandate to serve the needs of the community. Advancing vibrant communities researches those needs, then finds volunteers with the skills and passions to meet those needs. The very first story that Mike told about ABC involves serving one of my church members whose needs I could not meet within my own community. And in that moment, God humbled me and asked me to open my heart and really listen. And as I saw the setup of the database, I realized that AVC is a wonderful partner with my own congregation. It helps us be more effective. This organization comes along and says, I'll do a lot of the groundwork and we'll discover the needs and then those folks in your congregation who desire to be a part and who have these skills can volunteer. AVC partners with over 80 community and government agencies to help meet the needs of the city. We network with organizations like Habitat for Humanity, the American Red Cross, Salvation Army, the Area Agency on Aging, the School District, and the Police Department. Habitat and ABC is a perfect match in that we both have common missions of helping people get out of the four walls of the church, getting out into the community and helping others. ABC serves volunteers by finding ways for them to help others. ABC serves the needy through volunteer efforts with love, grace, mercy, and compassion. ABC serves churches by augmenting efforts to reach out and meet the needs of their neighbors. ABC serves businesses by helping create healthy neighborhoods, by connecting employees with opportunities to volunteer, and by providing opportunities to donate goods and services to legitimate needs in the community. Well, it works. And I, I, I believe that as in our companies, as being uh, formerly a businessman in, in, in Stanislaus County and, and uh, other counties in the state as, as, as well, that uh, our companies were only as, as successful as our weakest link. And I believe that to be the same case in our communities and in our cities, that we can only be as much as we're going to be based upon the capacity and the ability of others to participate at an increased level and quality of, of life. You know, some of us can do, donate a little money, some a little time, some one or the other or both. It really touched my heart that these strangers were interested in me and what I needed in my life. You know, it's not only hearing it, but it's seeing them, and it's being there in person and seeing the, the need that they have. And 
hopefully being able to do something about it. I will tell you, as you know, your chief of police in the city of Modesto, we need your help in the community making a difference. Volunteer, I know we can put you to work. And I, I promise you, if you get involved, you'll feel better. You'll be happier. How can we partner with you to meet the needs of our city? We ask you to consider monthly financial support and to help recruit more volunteers. Advancing vibrant communities, faith in action, pure, simple, proven effective, carrying out the biblical mandate to love our neighbors as ourselves. Thank you. And we're back with you on Lighthouse Live. And want to thank you for listening in wherever you are. Pastor Mike, Elaine, and our special guest from Solution Teen Outreach. We've got Paul and Mabel and Nancy and Mark. Mark, uh, one, one of the wonderful things uh, about God, and, and we, we fail as a faith-based community in, in, in this regard a lot. You know, Jesus meets us where we are, mm-hmm. as we are. And so oftentimes in the faith-based community, even though we don't articulate it, the unspoken message is we sure wish you'd clean yourself up and make it a lot easier on staff, right. you know. Uh, let's yeah. talk a little bit about that <laughs> dynamic and how important it is to meet people like Jesus does well, right where they are. Well, you know, some of some of us, uh, you know, some of it's uh, imposed upon ourselves that, uh, you know, again, I should be perfect and perfection is attainable. Mm-hmm. Now, nobody ever defines what that perfection is. But I should be that way. Mm. And when I can't meet that, then I start to say I'm not enough. Mm. You know, but I, I, I know in my life, and I think most people who have a relationship with, with Jesus would say he met me exactly where I was. Amen. He didn't meet me where I, my expectation of what I should be was like or the expectations of the church community or the expect. He took me right down where I was you know, mm-hmm. right in the gutter, gutter and said, you know what, here's my hand, take it, we'll, walk, we'll work through this from here. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that that, you know, some of that, uh, there, there, there needs to be allowed to be able to address and let somebody work their faith out in real time, not expecting them to be further along in this journey than they're capable of right now and having the patience and knowing the investment in time and understanding will reap the rewards down the road. Beautifully and, said. And, and, and allowing the fact that the process is going to be executed imperfectly. Mm. Right? You betcha. Yeah. <laughs> I love Certainly. that part. <laughs> Don't you? Yeah, All, uh, yeah I, I think I'm still around uh, today just because, you know, I provide comic relief. <laughs> I mean, every day he goes, uh, oh, okay. <laughs> he just kind of, hey, guys, watch what he's going to do now. This will be good. <laughs> Paul, we have a couple minutes uh, left. And, and where, where do you see uh, stop going? That sounds like kind of a. Uh, yeah, where do you see stop going? Stop going. I, I know, yeah. no. where, 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 where do you think Solutions Teen Outreach Program uh, is, is going to be going? What's your vision over the next two or three years? Uh, you know, I've got a very um, active mind in that area. I see this as a model program for a lot of communities. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, it's bigger than than what we can handle here, uh, just in Modesto. Uh, at our optimum point, at, at, in our our budget, looking at th- this next couple of years, uh, it's it's going to make a small dent. And what the real problem is, right? And what I'd like to see this happen is uh, is uh, spread out into other communities. Uh, 
hopefully stop uh, taking what we're going to try and do here, uh, get the funds necessary in order to put this program on the ground and and running. And uh, I believe that that, that we could show other communities how uh, to do the same thing. I Mm -hmm. think we've got a formula. We're all committed to this uh, to help these kids. Uh, The kids... uh, the kids are, are we're not going to have a future without the kids Amen. okay and uh in fact uh, we see this program we've got it uh, we can take it down to a to a, another level uh mabel's also developed a program called little league kick down to four or five years old uh, we're working uh, directly with the family and the kids uh our main obstacle right now is funds and uh Amen. i think due to economic times uh we're having a tough time of it but we're adamant that this is going to be a success right uh, with god's help and uh for you folks out there, too, contact us at solutionsteenoutreach.org. Give us any help or assistance any way you can. Carefully and financially as, yes. as well. Well, you yeah. know, when God has his fingerprints on it, he also raises up the resources. Once again, if you want to contact Paul Brim uh, personally, he's uh, the president of the board of directors of STOP, Solutions Teen Outreach Program, area code 209 that's 209-678-0017. The website, again, is solutionsteenoutreachprogram.org. Nancy, do you have any, uh, very briefly, any encouragement for those who might need encouragement? The one thing I'd have to say is that, that life comes at you because it's life. And the best thing that i found is that, one, I'm a Christian, two, I'm in recovery, and as long as I keep going at it, one day at a time, that I'm doing what my God calls me to do. Amen. Amen. Nothing's impossible. Amen. Thank you so much. Bless all of you for being with us. Thank you. And dear friends at home, thank you for joining in and listening. And Happy New Year to all of you. Amen. May God continue to bless you. Good night. <laughs>